And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where we talk about the crossroads of faith and pop culture. You think about the influence, the powerful influence of celebrities, musicians, actors, and especially social media. And all these entities will drive the traditions and norms of modern society. And so Dan Dozella, myself, signing them, we sit there and we talk about these issues and we like to look at them through a biblical perspective. And Dan, recently, the biggest news, I guess, around the world is, you know, the queen passing on. She was uh, lived a long life and spent like 70 years on the throne, which is something that will probably never happen again. But um, it was an amazing uh, life that she led. And naturally, it was time for her to, to pass on at the age of 96. And so there's been a lot of TV coverage, a lot of press coverage of the funeral. Well, I guess the funeral's coming up, but of the uh, the passing and all the ceremony that goes along with it, and you know all the uh, controversy with the family members showing up, like Meghan Markle, for example, and all that. And so there's really been a lot going on. But the one area that I'd like to start at least focusing on right now is her faith, because a lot of people, I guess, were kind of surprised that she had a Christian faith. I didn't think that they would be surprised by that, but um, I guess she, you know, doesn't really speak a whole lot. She's not outspoken over the years, especially in the later years because of, you know, her age and stuff, but she really did as you go through and you look at some of the comments that she's made throughout the years, you know, going back to even 1957, um, you know, Christmas messages that she would put out there and, you know, interviews that she was uh, involved with. She always made a reference to her Christian faith to looking at Jesus to be an example, um, how, you know, Jesus was there and that he can be somebody who was, um, that we can emulate, you know, for a better place in this world. And it goes on and on. And we'll get into more of the specifics of some of the things that she has said and comments that she has made over the years about her faith and about Jesus. But um, I find it interesting that, um, you know, here you've got the queen and her rule, which was very graceful it was very elegant. You know, she never got involved in the, um, you know, the, the muck of the world, so to speak. And, and now we sit and uh, remember her life and times and especially her faith. Yeah, I think it's very appropriate that so many people now, Son, are taking a, a closer look at what was the foundation of Queen Elizabeth's life. Um, you know, Franklin Graham said that his father, Billy Graham, met with the queen a dozen times over the years. And Billy Graham just spoke so highly of her her modesty, her character. He said, in fact, um, you know, she was a woman of rare modesty and rare character. And, and you could see that in her. I mean, you know, she just was the last person who would ever, um, you know, toot her own horn. Um, you know, she was there in the role that she'd been given to serve, um, granted a, a, a very um, key leadership role in their, in their country. But, you know, she certainly, I'm convinced, saw herself as a servant of the king, of King Jesus. And I believe the humility that she displayed was, uh, was just evidence of 
what a spirit-controlled life uh, is like. Because when we're led by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit, um, there is a God-given humility. Um, there is a desire to not, um, you know, uh, make make ourselves look important. And and that's you know, it reminds me of John the Baptist, uh, who who when he came preaching, you know, he said about uh, the coming Messiah, he must become greater, I must become less. And I, I read this week that over the years, the Queen supported 600 different charities that she was involved with. Um, you know, every year when she wrote her Christmas letter, um, she always uh, talked about Christ and, and was very clear in that. You know, she, she seemed to have such a beautiful waist on of of uh, you know not only not elevating herself, but but just taking advantage of those opportunities to present uh, the source of her hope and her joy, and and she just did it with such grace. And uh, I I just think how different that is than you know some today, for example, in this social media uh, celebrity world in which we live. I mean, take for example, uh, you know, kind of the the um, the, the typical. Hollywood celebrity like a Kardashian, you know, always plastering, you know, mostly naked photos of yourself on Instagram or whatever. I mean, that's kind of the opposite, isn't it, of of Queen Elizabeth? I mean, um, I mean, just the opposite of that. Um, and 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 you can't even you can't even begin to describe how opposite it is, you know, of of that. Uh, and and yet Queen Elizabeth was from a different era. Um, but a good era. I mean, she was from a good, um, a, a good place in terms of her values. Uh, I mean, a, a, just an exceptional place. In fact, in our lifetime, um, if we were to try to name the most respected leaders um, that that have been alive during our lifetime, I mean, I'm I'm thinking she she would certainly make the top five and maybe even way up toward the top for some people just because of her character. And, and again, um, I, I think even now as we talk about her, we as Christians, we, we want to be careful that while we celebrate what God did in her and through her, um, it was God doing it. And, and, and so we, we marvel at it because we're so used to seeing what man can do through himself and, and, and how many uh, problems man can get into all on his own. But when you yield yourself to your king, the way she did. Uh, when you humble yourself before the Lord, um, it, it's just remarkable to me um, how the Lord was able to use her and witness that she gave. And and so uh, I, it's a beautiful time to uh, not only remember uh, her her humble life uh, and and the work she did, but also to mostly of all consider what was the source of of that of that character and of all. Yeah, the Archbishop of Canterbury said in a sermon recently that, you know, God graciously gave us the most wonderful example of a Christian life and a Christian death. Her Majesty taught us much, if not more, about God and grace, both in the words and the actions that reinforce them. And so, again, you know, as she is being celebrated in her life, even somebody like the archbishop, you know, bringing it down to those terms that, you know, not only did she live by them, but she was an example for them. And I've got a clip here that I'd like to play. And um, that kind of is her in her own words talking about 
her faith and what she believed in. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. And so there, you know, she's using that message that even in this time of her death, you know, people can draw on God to be close and to kind of go and be with them through this period of mourning. But definitely there was an example there that um, we as fellow Christians can follow in just the way she dealt with things and in the manner in which she looked at life. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a quote right now, Son, where she said one time, I know just how much I rely on my faith to God. And in uh, 2014, uh, she wrote this in her Christmas letter that year. For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who's celebrated as an inspiration and an anchor in my life, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. Christ's example has taught me to respect and value all people of whatever faith or none. And and then there's from he said, my father cherished the queen's friendship that was built on a shared love for Jesus Christ and belief in God's word. He appreciated how often she talked about Jesus Christ during her public addresses. There was never any question about where she placed her faith. Queen Elizabeth once said, I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. Uh, I tell you, those are some tremendous statements of faith that Queen Elizabeth made and we, we we just see a life there that was grounded in the gospel, grounded in the love of God. And, uh, you know, you talk about someone who was meek. You know, in my message this past Sunday, going through the Beatitude, we looked at uh, the Beatitude where Jesus said, um, blessed are the meek. And, you know, meekness is not weakness. Meekness has been defined as strength under control. And I think that that really uh, describes, uh, in in many respects, Queen Elizabeth, strength under control. And, you know, one far greater than her who said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, You know, Jesus knew exactly um, what it means to be meek, and uh, he he lived it perfectly. Uh, And and Queen Elizabeth, as a follower of Christ, um, you know, displayed that meekness, that strength under control. And, you know, a lot of people, um, they they, they can't control the the, the power, the strength, the the energy that they have. It just just comes out in ways that um, sometimes are not helpful or productive. But Queen Elizabeth... Um, there was tremendous power in her life, but it was always or seemingly always under control. I'm sure she had her moments like we all do. It means she's human. Um, maybe there were some behind the scenes moments, you know, but but um, again, you know, she wasn't perfect. Uh, but boy, was she ever a role model uh, of, of a leader and, and, and of a Christian. And so, yeah, that was great to hear that that quote you played there, Son, just to hear it in her own words. Uh, how, how powerful is that? You know, the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, even though she was royalty, you know, she had a servant heart. You know, she was always concerned about others. She was concerned about the kingdom. She was concerned about serving others. You know, she looked at it from a position of humility 
as opposed to a position of being haughty and look at me and I'm the queen, you know. Um, of course, you had all the royal um, traditions and things like that that you had to, you know, go through when it came to the dealing with the queen and meeting her and stuff. But there's a lot of times, too, I mean, you could just kind of look at some of the videos that are out there of her. You know, she's walking down the row of guards, and then I think she sees uh, Prince William, you know, and she stops and gives him a little smirk and smile. You can see the the pride on her face that her grandson is, you know, serving. And then, you know, there's other times where she kind of breaks that traditional monarchy role in response to, you know, other people that are out there, um, you know, as she's going through her public appearances, you know, so she always had that servant heart. Honesty was also another thing that was always uh, a big part of who she was. You know, she was never, you know, speaking one thing and doing something else. Um, you know, she always like, I think one of the things, for example, was that she wasn't going to meddle in the politics, you know, the day to day politics of, you know, parliament and stuff like that. And that's a question that a lot of people have for now the new king, you know, because he was more of an, uh, of an activist when it came to things like global warming and climate change. You know, they were asking him, is he, is he going to be more of an activist or is he going to be more like his mom and be more of a, a monarch that kind of governs these other things and let parliaments, uh, you know, do the politicking? Um, you know, she was always asked out there, like I said, meeting people, the Pope, meeting, uh, you know, Billy Graham, you know, meeting uh, other people, and she would always treat them the same. Like if all the different – I mean, imagine all the different presidents that she had to meet and deal with. And you would imagine that there would be some that she probably really didn't respect or maybe even didn't like their politics, but she treated them all the same. And so there's a lot of things there that we can look at just from her example of her life that we can use and, you know, in our daily life and also to realize that, you know, We've gotten so far away from that in this world. I mean, we look at our politicians and our leaders. It's all about them. It's all about their narcissism. It's all about their pocketbook. It's all about the power and control. And yet, even though she was queen, you never really had this sense of entitlement. You had the sense of, like, she was doing it because it was her role in life, but she was doing it to serve the people as opposed to the people serving her. That's exactly right, Son. You know, in uh, 2016, to mark her 90th birthday, there was a book that came out uh, entitled The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. What a what an awesome title that was. And she actually wrote the foreword uh, for that book. And she included some of her personal thoughts on her Christian faith. She wrote, I have been and remain very grateful to you for your prayers and to God for his steadfast love. And, and it was this love of God that, that filled her heart and, and just flowed through her. I, I think of what, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. And the love of God within Queen Elizabeth's heart is what really motivated and, and inspired and filled her. You know, it was another uh, Christmas uh, broadcast, actually, uh, back in 1975, where Queen Elizabeth reminded listeners, she said, we are celebrating a birthday, the birthday of a child born nearly 2,000 years ago who grew up and lived for only about 30 years. His simple message of love has been turning the world upside down ever since. Now, she said that nearly 50 years ago, um, so uh, relatively early in her reign, you know, when you think about the 70-year reign that she had. But, but So this has been a consistent theme and message in her life 
Um, it has just been the, the message of, of Christ. Uh, and, and, and while, you know, she wasn't, um, you know, constantly preaching the gospel because of course her role was, was, um, was was very broad there in the in, in the nation, uh, and and it was not as a um, you know theologian in chief or something like that. She made no bones about her faith. She did not hide her her candle, uh, you know, or hide her light under a bushel. You know, she um, she did not uh, deny Christ. She was not ashamed of Christ. Um, you know, many in that role would have um, you know not been willing. To, to speak so um, so vocally and so directly um, as as she did, but but it was because of God's love in her heart and because she was serving um, a higher authority than man. Uh, she was serving the King of Kings, and uh, again, I just think it's such a great. Uh, example of what happens when a life is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Once a person accepts faith, uh, accepts Christ through faith, you know, that's the easy part. Then the, the difficult part begins, which is saying no to self, saying no to our own personal selfishness and desire to control things and bad attitudes at times about others and all the stuff that we as sinful human beings have to encounter. Uh, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth had all those things that she would have had to have faced within her own heart at times. Uh, but you know, by God's grace, again, she was meek. Uh, her strength was under control. She was under the control of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the self-control, along with love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And when I think of Queen Elizabeth, I think of all of those attributes. But I don't think of her as the source of them. I, I merely think of her as the uh, as the conduit. I think of her as a vessel. I think of her as someone through whom God's love flowed. And here again, it, it really gives us a wonderful Christian role model uh, today uh, that, that that we can look at. And with all of them, the the bad uses of video technology today, uh, and all of the things that, that are videotaped that are ungodly, um, there are are also beautiful things that are, are taped, both in God's creation, but even more importantly, um, the lives of people that God has transformed. And so for people to be able to go back and, and just like you played there, to be able to listen to her words, um, to watch different videos of her, people can be reminded, you know, this is still possible today, even in a world that's filled with cynicism and political division and um, all sorts of just bitterness and, and everything else. Here is someone who, you know, was, was in a role where of course she, anybody in that role is going to receive criticism, but, but by God's grace, uh, she lived in a very high place of, of, of just, um, discipleship. And, and she, like you said, I think son, she did not, uh, allow herself to get pulled down into the muck, you know, and, and that was a choice she made, but, uh, we can, we can thank the Lord for, uh, for her life. And I, I was reading son, I think they're, 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 they're thinking that now her funeral on Monday, uh, is, uh, be the most viewed television event ever. And I believe the, um, the funeral is going to be at 11 a.m. over there, and uh, which I believe is um, 5 a.m. here Central Time and uh, 6 a.m. on the East Coast, 3, 3 a.m. on the West Coast on Monday. Uh, so for many people, they'll you know be watching a replay of it. Um, but uh, uh, that is bound to be uh, quite an event of remembrance, and I, I expect it to be 
you know, a beautiful service, a beautiful Christian celebration uh, of her life and service. Yeah, and here's a, another little tidbit of what she had to say over the course of her life about her faith. When people face a challenge, they sometimes talk about taking a deep breath to find courage or strength. In fact, the word inspire literally means to breathe in. But even with the inspiration of others, it's understandable that we sometimes think the world's problems are so big that we can do little to help. On our own, we cannot end wars or wipe out injustice. But the cumulative impact of thousands of small acts of goodness can be bigger than we imagine. At Christmas, our attention is drawn to the birth of a baby some 2,000 years ago. It was the humblest of beginnings and his parents, Joseph and Mary, did not think they were important. Jesus Christ lived obscurely for most of his life and never traveled far. He was maligned and rejected by many, though he had done no wrong. And yet billions of people now follow his teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them because Christ's example helps me see the value of doing small things with great love, whoever does them, and whatever they themselves believe. The message of Christmas reminds us that inspiration is a gift to be given as well as received, and that love begins small but always grows. I wish you all a very happy Christmas. And again, just as she brings out these messages, you can tell there's a genuineness to it. You know, a lot of times we listen to politicians and they will give a speech and we know it's just, you know, words on a paper. They don't really mean it. Oftentimes you might even think they're lying about what they want to say just so they can stay in power and get reelected, you know, we're in the middle of election season. So a lot of people are saying a lot of things and they don't really mean it. They're just trying to get a vote so they can stay in power and then they turn around and go back to their old ways. But anytime she spoke, you can hear the sincerity. You can hear that she really meant it. And that includes whenever she talked about her faith and, and, um, you know, whether it be Christmas time or any other time, you, there was a sincerity there about what she was talking about. You know, I think that's such a great point, son. Um, you know, I, I think of the word authentic. Uh, that is one of the many words I think that. Uh, fits so perfectly for Queen Elizabeth. She was authentic. You know, another word I think of is kind. You know, um, one of her grandsons, Prince William, said this recently. He said, I thank her for her kindness. She showed my family and me, and I thank her on behalf of my generation for providing an example of service and dignity in public life that was from a different age, but always relevant to us all. So he experienced that that kindness. Um, and, you know, Queen Elizabeth wrote about uh, kindness uh, back in 2011 when she wrote, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. 
It is my prayer that on this Christmas day, we might find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. I tell you, I can see, son, why, you know, Billy Graham enjoyed Queen Elizabeth so much because they are cut out of the same cloth. Um, wanting to share the gospel, wanting to share God's message of love, wanting to share how Jesus changes lives for time and eternity. And also, just like Billy Graham, uh, Queen Elizabeth was such a kind person. You know, Frederick Faber said this. He said, kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. And Alexander McLaren said, kindness makes a person attractive. If you would win the world, melt it. Do not hammer it. And boy, does that ever describe Queen Elizabeth. Nobody's ever going to accuse her of trying to hammer the world with anything, her faith or anything else. But boy, did she share it with such eloquence and grace and kindness. And I just really believe, son, that the fruit of Queen Elizabeth's faith spoke volumes. You know, we know that the fruit of Christian faith is is good works and, and the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but when you see it lived out, you see that this really is uh, something that God is doing in those who yield themselves to him. And so how appropriate was it, son, on the day that Queen Elizabeth died, that a double rainbow appeared over Buckingham Palace? I mean, what a beautiful and timely reminder of her reliance upon the Lord but also of God's unending love and, and faithfulness toward this exceptional servant leader and, and humble follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, from start to finish, God had control of this woman, and he, he flowed through her, and she yielded herself to him as her Lord and Savior, and it was a sight to behold. And now she is uh, rejoicing in heaven, where we who know Christ will uh, will be one day, and she'll no doubt be one of the millions that we'll be able to meet uh, over the centuries while we're there, and uh, all praising our Lord and Savior. But uh, what a what a special child of God He gave us in Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, and I don't think it was just coincidence either that you had those rainbows because. Um, you know, God expresses himself, you know, you can find the message of God in nature, you know, it talks about, you can look to the heavens and the stars and other parts of nature that reveal God's glory. And so I don't think that was a coincidence that just happened to, to be there that day. Um, I think it's just another indication that, you know, God is in control. God is all powerful. And I think a lot of times, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why people in America don't see kind of some of the miraculous things that we see in other parts of the world because we're so narcissistic. We're so dependent upon ourselves. We so believe that we can do it. We don't need anything else or anybody else that we kind of push God into the cupboard or into the closet and only take him out when we need him, like the genie rubbing the lamp and wishing for three things instead of just relying on him all the time. And, you know, you, you hear about it by people that are going or from people that are going through recovery, you know, when you have nothing else to depend on, except for God, to deliver you from whatever it is you're going through. Um, there's a guy that I used to know that he's, uh, he was a missionary. He was, going to, he was going to school here in the States, and, he's a mission, and he wants to do missionary work in Africa. Every single day he would say goodbye to his family, and they all had the realization that that could be his last time that he ever leaves because people hated Christians in the part of Africa that he was from, and it was 
a great possibility that he could leave and never come back. He could be killed every day because of his faith. And so every day they all knew that, you know, by the grace of God, if he came home, that would be a great thing. But he was willing to go out there and sacrifice himself if that was necessary to spread the message to the unsaved. And you see a lot of these other parts of the country where you see miracles and you see all these great things happen. You see God working in miraculous ways. And yet I think we're too blinded by our ideology. We're too blinded by Americanism. We're too blinded by what we have going on here to truly see all the great things and all the miraculous things and all the powerful things that God can truly do in the world that he created. Yeah, that, that is exactly right, son. And, you know, many times it is the it is the smaller things that people do that have such a, a great impact. And, and you played a, a quote from Queen Elizabeth that, that alluded to that. But I also came across something that she uh, that she said that even expanded that further. And one time she said, if you throw a stone into a pool, the ripples go on spreading outwards. A big stone can cause waves. But even the smallest pebble changes the whole pattern of the water. Our daily actions are like those ripples. Each one makes a difference, even the smallest. And because she had that mindset, Son, that um, we can make a big difference, whether we're, you know, doing something in front of the camera like she often was, or doing something behind the scenes like 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 99.9% of us are doing uh, in, in our daily lives, um, it, it ripples. It, it, it carries out way beyond just what, what we do. And, and this is the perspective that that God gives his followers, um, that, that the Lord gives to those who know Christ as Lord and Savior, um, that that we're not just here for a, a career and a retirement, um, you know, and, and vacations and hobbies. Um, we are here to serve the King of Kings. We are ambassadors, and that heaven is our home. In fact, the Bible says we're 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 aliens. Uh, we're we're strangers. Uh, people wonder, well, are there aliens? Well, yeah. I mean, Christians are, are aliens in the sense that this is not our homeland. Um, our homeland is in heaven. And, and, and so even though we live in a narcissistic culture that thinks that unless you're splashed across social media, unless your name is in the, in the lights, you know, unless people know you, um, you know, then you're not really very successful. That That's a very twisted, dark understanding of, of purpose. Because what God says is, is, is the one who, mu- who, who wants to become great must become the servant of all. And, and most servants don't get mounted the spotlight. Uh, most servants um, are, are working behind the scenes. And when I think about people that I've seen over the years, son, or, or, or that you, know, you and I that we read about, and, and the things that, that godly men and women do behind the scenes without any credit, without an ounce of glory or, or uh, recognition, and yet in heaven they're rejoicing. And, and when those believers get to heaven, um, boy, do they find out that it was not a waste of time at all. And, and the Lord uh, uh, more than compensates people uh, for, for the works that they do here. Not that we earn heaven, because that's, that's only given out. Uh, by God's grace. But when the Bible talks about rewards, it's talking about rewards for the faithful, um, rewards for those who got in by grace, 
but 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 then um, we're able to lay our crowns at Jesus's feet, and and whatever those rewards entail in heaven, um, it will definitely encompass much fulfillment, much satisfaction, and, and so I guess the point I'm making is those who work behind the scenes here. Um, will certainly be known in heaven, um, and and will be known as as wonderful um, worshippers of the King. But of course, in heaven, we won't be uh, you know finding glory in any any of us. It'll all be about the Lord. All be about the Lamb. You know, we'll be rejoicing in in Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, and, and and so all glory goes to the Lamb of God. All glory goes to the blood of Jesus. All glory goes to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, anyone even today who might be tempted to give Queen Elizabeth any glory, um, if, if you know the Lord, you you quickly. Um, think about that and you say, well, we thank the Lord for her life and all glory goes to you, Lord, for what you produced through your humble servant. When we take a look at, you know, the state of our country, like I said, going through a um, election time, and I don't think that's a coincidence or I don't think I don't think it's just by chance that obviously it's not. We know that. But I'm just saying it's obviously not by chance that she lived to be 96 and that she reigned for 70 years. I mean, there could have been the possibility that she lived to 96, but then maybe, you know, for the last 20 years, failing health, removed her from office or some other things. I think there was a purpose that she was in office and she was the queen for as long as she was. And, um, and I think it's an example of what being faithful to God can do. You know, it can, you can, you be faithful to God in the aspects and the things that he gives you. You know, talk about being responsible. The Bible talks about if you're, if you're faithful in the little things, you're faithful in much. If you're, you know, unfaithful in the little things, you're unfaithful in a lot. And she was really responsible and faithful in her duty as queen to run the country, you know, and to allow the country to, uh, you know, be, and, and just be responsible in her role. And so when we look to our politicians and we look to our country, you know, it's so divided. It's so divisive. It's, I mean, we've got people now, you know, people in office talking about, you know, killing, you know, and, and, and the president just recently had this like ominous, like calling people fascist and this red, you know, thing that was behind him at, uh, in Philadelphia. And it, you know, looked like something from Star Wars and the emperor. And, you know, it's just like all this rhetoric of killing. And you think about when, you know, the, talking about taking Trump out behind the woodshed and fighting him or out behind the gym and, you know, Nancy Pelosi and you got these, all these others, Maxine Waters, push back on them. Let them know you're not here. I mean, it is completely different 180 scene that we see from the leaders of this country versus someone like the queen who had the grace that God had given her. And it's like, so when we look at our country and we look at the things that are going on, is there any, obviously there's hope, but is there any hope for this when we, what's it going to take to have politicians in office in our country that reflect the values of the Bible and reflect God's grace like the queen did? Well, you know, son, I, I think of something my mother said to me here recently. We were, we were talking uh, about some of these things, and, and she just said, you know, we just really need to pray now that many people here in our nation will, will you know, be able to connect the dots and, and see that what it was that produced this life in the queen, um, this life of God through her, and, and, and we'll call out to God. Because what a contrast between the Queen's life and so many of our politicians today. And, you know, I think, again, if we go back to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the nine qualities that the Bible says God produces 
in the hearts uh, and lives of his followers, uh, the nine things that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know, son, um, people could write probably a book about Queen Elizabeth's life on each one of those qualities. You know, how did she demonstrate love? How was that seen in her life? Um, how was joy expressed in her life? Um, what what evidence is there that she had peace in her life and kindness and gentleness, et cetera, you know? And then you look at so many of our politicians today uh, who seem to be so hungry for power, um, hungry to control others. They don't seem peaceful. They seem angry. Um, and so to me, what it, what it points out, son, and, you know, all we have to do is look in our own hearts to see it's not just, you know, some of these politicians, um, but, but it's, it's our own hearts. We lack um, the fruit that God produces, uh, but he will give it to us if we will humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and confess our sins to the Lord and believe that Jesus paid for our sins when he died on the cross and receive him as our savior, God will come in and make us a new creation. Uh, I didn't say we'll become perfect because we'll still be battling our old self, that old nature, that sinful nature, um, which again, it just makes Queen Elizabeth's life all the more remarkable because she had a sinful nature. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, somehow she was an angel and, and um, you know, she didn't have any, any sin. Uh, uh, but but what what we what we saw over seventy years was someone who was living under the control of the Holy Spirit, under the control of her king. And and so when we look at the uh, as you as you mentioned, like the, just the divisiveness today, um, all of the anger today. You know, uh, this is kind of a unrelated topic to, to the queen, but I, I just can't help but throw it in. I was just, I was just looking at something, son, that I, I find rather interesting. Um, and, and, and that is, I, I was seeing uh, on uh, the website for the New York post, their, their, their top article right now is that you have a lot of immigrants who've been bussed to Martha's Vineyard uh, by, um, I believe, Ron DeSantis from Florida. And you know what, what the Texas and Florida governor uh, governors are, are doing is they're wanting to help wake people up to the fact that if we're going to continue to bring on a huge influx of immigrants, we want to do so responsibly. We want to do so in a way that's good for everyone, um, the folks here, as well as the folks coming. And, 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 you know, I think the feeling that many people have, Son, is that, um, you know, many of the progressives who have a, who have a, uh, a role in government, they don't give the impression that they really care about immigrants, they seem to care about power and they want votes. And, and, and what makes me say that is if, if they cared about immigrants, then why would like the mayors of Chicago and New York and now these other people be complaining about immigrants being delivered to their doorstep? I mean, they could care for them. They could provide, they don't have to like move down to Texas or Florida, but rather than welcoming them, which you would expect them to do if they really believe their, what their policies are promoting, which is like an open border, um, 
then you would expect them to welcome them, but you don't see that. And, and so it's just, there's just this hypocrisy um, that it's like, oh, so the, the claim that you only want them here for votes, but you don't really care about them. You don't really care about them as people. You don't care about their, their needs. And as long as it doesn't affect you and your, your house, you know, they even delivered them, I guess, right near the residence of, of the vice president here. I saw that article. Um, and, and, and so I just think it points out a lot of the hypocrisy um, and, and, you know, we're all at times hypocritical, son. I mean, so, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, there aren't, you know, people who are hypocritical on, you know, uh, both sides of the aisle and so forth at times. But uh, I just find it very interesting that, that, that those who want to kind of wear this sanctimonious hat, like, oh, well, we're all for immigration and we love these people. Okay, great. Then chip in and, and let, let's all work together and help them. Have a, They want a new home and they want help. But, 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 but then when you deliver immigrants to their doorstep, rather than them welcoming, they bellyache and complain. So it, it's, it really is hypocritical and, and it kind of shows that, that they don't genuinely want to help these people. They only are hoping to get their vote so they can have power and then, and then spend our money, you know, on, on, uh, on policies and, and things that don't really help the people by and large, but they pursue their kind of their, um, their own just very bizarre agendas on, you know, climate change and other things. They want to invest all of the, the people's money on things that, that don't help the, the average American. So uh, I, I guess I just kind of spun off on that here, son, because I found it, you know, whoever came up with that very, very good idea of busing immigrants to these other places um, in order to help them, help these progressives see if they really believe what they claim to believe. And now what we're seeing is they really don't. And, and so um, that was a very ingenious thing to, to kind of test them. Let, let's see if they really believe what they claim. And, and we're seeing that, no, um, they just want the votes. Um, they, don't, they don't want the people. They don't seem to care about the people. And, and that's why I think you hear so much complaining now that, that, that now they're, they're kind of put out and, and have to kind of help address some of these needs themselves, you know, as themselves. Well, yeah, and on top of that, you know, they were these places like D.C., for example, you know, they were spouting, we're sanctuary city, we're sanctuary city, you're welcome right. to come here, you're welcome to come here, and then all of a sudden they're coming there, and now they're bitching and moaning about it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, so much for a sanctuary city. Yeah, a sanctuary city, as long as somebody else pays for it and, and takes care of it. And, and, and I think, you know, our Christian response is we want to help everyone we can. Um, you know, America is a, is a nation of immigrants. You know, um, you know, Christians can be very uh, pro-immigration. Uh, but, but, but if we don't do it responsibly, if we don't do it in a way that is smart, then everyone gets hurt. And and, and it, it just is very ironic to me that this hypocrisy now of these progressives who, who claim, like you say, Sano, we're going to have this sanctuary city. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not exactly what they were what, what they were pretending it, it would be. And, you know, there are a lot of issues in that. But I think one, one of the points is um, open borders don't work. Um, and that's why no other nation has them. That's why you don't have open borders around the White House or on the vice president's house or, or, you know, you don't have open borders around the Vatican um, because they don't work. You, you don't keep your door unlocked at night, uh, at least in many places. Now, there might still be a few places in America where they can. Um, I don't know. But um, open borders don't work in a world where there's sin, uh, in a world where there are evildoers who seek to take advantage of that. 
Um, but it seems like the progressives who push it are hoping beyond hope that they're going to get a few of those votes. And that seems to be all they're interested in is votes, power, controlling the money, controlling their leftist agenda. And uh, it really is sad for America when when those things, um, you know, are able to have the kind of sway that they have right now in our country. Dan, what do you think it says about politicians or anybody in general? But since we're kind of talking about the queen royalty and kind of like the political positions that each of these uh, offices hold, you, you you see people like recently Nancy Pelosi, you know, one of the um, bishops or somebody in the Catholic Church said that because of her stance on abortion, she should not have communion, should not take part of the Eucharist. And so she obviously, you know, went up there and defied him and, and went over to Italy and took communion and was like, look at me, I'm taking communion despite, you know, whatever the, the bishop or somebody said. And then, you know, she gets up right. there on, um, on TV and misquotes the Bible, you know, tries to throw something out there and she completely butchers it and misquotes yeah. it. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and again, um, so you see these people or, or like you say, you talk about immigration, you know, oh, Jesus says, mm-hmm. welcome everybody. We got to love everybody and stuff like this. But they use the Bible yeah. for political means and polit- political right. gains. Right. Um, or they right. say, you know, we need to pray because of whatever. Do you think God looks at that in vain and, and, and dismisses, um, people like that, you know, when we cry out to God? Cause it's kind of like, you know, bail, you know, uh, people crying out to bail and they're being mocked. Where's your God now? You know, and is it something like that that's going on? I mean, are they, should they refrain from that? And because the queen never yeah. came out and said, you know, anything political yeah. about, I mean, her messages, like we talked about were genuine and real. And yet whenever Bible and God is provoked in our political society, our system, it's yeah. always in vain to me. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, that's a very good point, Son. And I think we we can know how God views that by looking at how Jesus responded to the hypocrisy of the um, so many of the religious leaders of his day. You know, when the Pharisees, for example, would do things for show, but their heart was not uh, one of, of compassion, of love, of, of humility, of service to God and others. And Jesus called them out over and over and over again. Again, you know, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs. Um, you know, I mean, he he even referred to them one time as children of, of the devil. Um, you know, so so what does God think of, let's say, a politician today who promotes abortion? Um, and we, we could throw, you know, same-sex marriage in there as well. Or, you know, if politicians were promoting adultery or fornication, we'd throw those things in there too. But, but it seems like what they want to, you know, uh, what they really want to tout uh, are things like uh, abortion and uh, and uh, same-sex marriage. Let's just use those two. You know, two things that the Bible clearly, um, you know, identifies as sinful. And then, you know, like you mentioned Pelosi, I mean, to turn that around then and to make a spectacle of going to communion, um, I mean, if, if a church um, cannot offer... Um, biblical guidance on, on, on who, uh, communion will benefit and who it will harm. Then, then. Why would they even be celebrating the Lord's Supper to begin with? And and I think it, it it's it's up to someone like a Nancy Pelosi. Then if you're going to make such a scene of this, if you want to turn this into some you know photo op and, and something, then why don't you call a press conference? And and then by the way, during this conference, let people ask questions the way Trump did. 
And again, I'm not saying, you know, Trump is some perfect role model, but I'm saying, um, why was he the only one? That, that, that took any and every question people would ask. I mean, you know, Biden seems to be the opposite of that. The progressives, I mean, you know, you hear about people getting ready to run this fall in these different states and they won't even have a press conference. They're, they're following their, the example of their, of their president. Um, but if Pelosi would, would put herself in, into a situation where she takes questions, questions like, you know, tell us about your faith. You know, tell us about why. Um, you feel communion is so important. Tell us about the role of repentance or not in taking the Lord's Supper. Tell us about the role of faith in Christ. Tell us about what you believe about um, abortion. Is it ever murder in your eyes? You know, is late-term abortion murder? At what point is it murder? At what point is it? I mean, but, but see, they won't do that, Son. They, they just want the photo op. They want, you know, they want to make a, a you know, a big spectacle of it. Um, but I, I wish anybody who wants to choose to put themselves in that spotlight, would would do that and, and do what Trump did. I mean, you know, whether a person, you know, loves, you know, Trump's approach or not, how can you argue with um, going to these press conferences and taking all these questions the way the historic you know, presidents have done more of that? Um, and then people look at all of the failed policies of, of, of Biden and and people are just embarrassed for him. Uh, and they're embarrassed of him and, and, and they're feeling it in the pocketbook, but, but even worse than just the horrible, you know, financial policies are the immoral positions that, that, that he and his party take on things like, um, you know, children in the womb and Mary other other areas where um i mean immigration i mean i think it's immoral to say you're for immigration and, and then to uh push for open borders but then not to provide a mechanism by which these people are really going to be cared for um uh you know it was immoral the way that we withdrew from afghanistan that was immoral that that caused so much suffering so much needless suffering but when your policies are dark when your ideology is dark, um, when you promote abortion, uh, 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 promote same-sex marriage, you know what, Son? It affects everything you think and do, and you don't even realize how much death and destruction you're causing. You are so blind how much death and destruction you're causing. Until... In, uh, Abbott, uh, you know, from Texas, until they actually bring to your doorstep these real live living people who want hope, they want a new home, they want to escape a, a place of violence, they, they, they've heard about America. Um, okay, great. All that's well and good. But you, like, like you're some big moral savior, and, and boy, I go to communion now, even though I'm pro-abortion, but, but then you're not going to... You're not going to even get your hands dirty. I mean, it floors me, son. It just it just floors me that the vice president supposedly has never visited the border. Are you kidding me? I mean, you talk about people who don't feel like they're accountable to anyone, not to God or to anyone else. How else could you claim that you're in charge of that and then you won't even go there? You won't even look at the need. I mean, I think it was smart for them to send them to her home. Give her a chance to step up and show a little bit, a little bit of what she actually believes about it. Uh, but they don't want that. The progressives don't want that. So um, I know that there were a lot of people that, uh, you know, didn't like certain things that Trump did. And every politician we're going to find to be imperfect. 
But um, when you look at the withdrawal from Afghanistan, when you look at just the devastation that this current administration has, has brought, um, and and now you know people are up and you know up in arms, so to speak. I mean, figuratively, they're they're so um, upset. Certain people with this Supreme Court uh, abortion ruling, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, you're here, you weren't aborted. What, what's so wrong with trying to protect life in the womb? You know. Why is that such a, a bad thing, you know? Um, but but I'll tell you, son, it's the same sort of reason why progressives promote uh, transgender ideology. Be, be, because they don't know any better. They don't know they, they, or don't care how many young lives it's destroying. By by telling little kids who have gender dysphoria, that, okay, well, let's give you some hormones planning for your surgery. And, um, you know, as someone said, who walked into one of my daughter's uh, pieces of work here a month or so ago, son, they came in just celebrating that they knew somebody and, and the way they were describing it, so-and-so just had her top chopped off and they were bragging and they're so excited that now I don't even know what age this person was, but they had this radical surgery, this double mastectomy because it sounds like this female is convinced she's a male, but that's the time. How tragic for this young woman. And so many transgendered people are waking up and realizing, what did I do? And why didn't someone stop me? And the suicide rate among transgender people is, is just off the charts. Why? Because progressive ideology um, is, is not grounded in truth. It, 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 it's grounded in how can we control others? How can we have the power? How can we use their money for our leftist agenda? And it's very, very dark and it helps no one. And just look at any socialist nation, look at any Marxist country, look at any place that, that holds the values that, that, um, that the progressives hold. And it's devastating on the population. And that's what America's experiencing. But I'll tell you, don't let the buses come to Martha Martha's Vineyard. Don't let the buses come to, um, you know, Kabbalah Harris's house. Don't let the buses come to Chicago. Oh no, heaven forbid, or New York. And and these so-called, you know, progressive mayors and and other political leaders will be all bent out of shape because well, we we don't mean we actually want to help them. We just want them to flood your border, and that's your problem. As long as they just spread out somewhere and vote for us, that's all we care about. And and sound, you know, the the hypocrisy of it is is shining through and. We just pray that many people through all this say, you know, what is the answer? Well, it won't be found in any politician. The ultimate answer will only be found in Jesus, the one Queen Elizabeth knew, um, because all politicians are flawed. All human beings are flawed. You and I are flawed. Um, you know, we all mess up, but Jesus never did. And you know what they did because of that? They killed him for it. Uh, they killed him for it. Those religious leaders who, who uh, like someone who's wanting to go to communion, even though they're deliberately sinning against God, um, those religious leaders were deliberately rebelling against the Lord 
And Jesus called him out, but they said, no, 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 uh, he's got to be put to death. So they schemed, they planned, they worked, and, and ultimately it happened, you know. And, and the Romans put him to death, but it was all part of God's plan to save us because the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And, and so that's our only hope. Queen Elizabeth knew it. Um, anyone listening to this podcast, son, if they'll just, if they'll just come to the cross today and, and lay their sin at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what they'll get, son? They'll get eternal life in heaven. They'll get forgiveness of their sins. They'll get a king to serve a king to serve and, and a reason to not toot their own horn, but to start boasting in the cross the way the apostle Paul, that former terrorist, Saul of Tarsus, when he was converted on the Damascus road, he went on to write, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fruit of faith. Um, and that's what we need in America. That's what we need in the world. And as Queen Elizabeth has laid to rest here at on Monday, um, we can pray that many will turn to the Savior that she knew uh, to be her king and Lord. And, and that's our only hope, you know, in this world where um, everybody wants a better life. I mean, you, you know, you can't blame people for wanting to come across the border because who wouldn't if you're in a miserable place, you know? Uh, so we can't blame them. Um, but, but if we don't have a plan, if we don't have a plan in our own communities, if we don't have a plan in our own home, if we don't have a plan, you know, in our own daily lives for how am I going to be a light in this dark world, then, you know, we're going to miss out on opportunities. And, and my sense is Queen Elizabeth didn't miss out on too many opportunities that, that God, God gave her. Well, it definitely is interesting to look back at her life and to see just how her faith led her through the fact that she was queen and the impact it has on her life and, we can use her life as, a, as an example for us to, you know, follow God, follow biblical principles, and allow God to use us in whatever role we might have. Dan, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you for your insights into the conversation. And um, again, we look forward to many more conversations, God willing. Absolutely, son. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to that as well. You can check out our website for more on our show, Sanctified Reason, where we talk about the powerful influences of celebrities, music, movies, and social media, and all these entities driving the traditions and norms of modern society. Dan Dozell and myself, Son Edom, sitting at the crossroads of faith and pop culture talking about these issues. Our website is RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click on the Sanctified Reason logo, and all of our shows pop up. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.